When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. So welcome to the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller. The Miller Report is a weekly podcast hosted by WABC. We talk to business leaders about real estate because real estate is the thread to all cities, particularly ours. Today we have with us an interesting guest who by some measures is the king, the king of New York real estate because he's always on the streets. He, like myself, was born in Canarsie, Brooklyn, go Brooklyn, and has been socially and politically active in our great city for decades, decades. Welcome, Curtis Sleep to the Miller Report. Oh, Suzanne, all roads lead to Canarsie. <laughs> the best and the worst. Yeah, I know. I used to hang out on the street corner of 86 L&M on the mailbox. Yes. That's what we did. We, don't tell anybody we smoked pot and cigarettes. Oh, what yeah. did you do on those mailboxes? I was 89th and J on the <laughs> other side of the cemetery, and uh, my DMZ was Avenue L. <laughs> Between uh, Remsen and Rockaway Parkway, where you had the Gambinos on one side, the Lucchese's on the other side, and I used to have to run the gauntlet. And the thing is, nobody went home for dinner. It was like, how did we eat? We would just stay out to, like, playing stickball and punchball, yeah. and 9 o'clock at night, it was like we would just, with the, like, we grew up on the streets. Exactly. Well, you hang out at the schoolyard, PS 115, I probably for you, right? PS 114 for me. I went there. Until... The glue heads took over. Remember the guys who used to huff the glue in paper bags? Oh, oh yeah, that was like And that. then your parent would say, don't go there. Those are like trolls. Those are like monsters. And then a uh, mayor named John Lindsay said, we don't want the kids out in the street playing stickball or punchball or any of the street games, Skelly, all those games. And then they said, well, that's what we have parks for. And then you go to the parks, and then that's when you introduce the drugs. So what was the tradition you and I grew up in? They destroyed it. Because they weren't street kids. I mean, John Lindsay, what was he? Silk stocking district congressman, you know, privileged wasp. Had no idea what it was like in the other, the outer boroughs, which was the best upbringing you could imagine. Look how many successful people have yes. come from the outer boroughs. Suzanne Miller. Yes. Curtis Lewa. Yes. <laughs> No, it's true. We were tough. I would come home from the schoolyard. They used to take safety pins and stab you yep. to see if you could handle it. It was like, exactly. this was like the initiation. It was And, and project kids, a lot of successful, Howard Schultz, CEO oh, yeah. of Starbucks three times now, came out of the Bayview housing projects, didn't have two nickels to rub together. So generally, uh, children in Canarsie did not grow up on third base. We were not coddled. Had a struggle. Another guy, you probably know, Keith Kantrowitz, Power Express. He was my next door neighbor. Right. Glenwood Projects, he lived for a while. Again, no I father, mother know. raising a family. I know. Nobody complained. All you did is go out and hustle. You got jobs yep. and, and you applied yourself. Thank God for the Jewish kids that <laughs> raised everyone's curve, you know, in school because it was left to my cousins, the Italian Stallions, Joey G, the Cheech from Howard Beach, and Lenny Beans Bianchino. They were in what you called 7F, 6F, you know, you called special ed now. They were knuckleheads. And in 4F, and 5A and 4A were all the Jewish kids. 
You know, I was the only Gentile in there. I always liked the Gentiles. I used to go on my Gentile boyfriend's motorcycle, but I wasn't allowed to tell my parents oh, I had to get off a block before. Oh, what a Shonda that is. <laughs> that oh, my God, on thing. a motorcycle. The oh. Italians. Oh. You should have impaled yourself with a menorah. Oh, don't tell your parents. Oh, my nemesis. Or your booby or your Zeta, your grandma. <laughs> no, oh, We're all the same. Yes. Anyway, Curtis, seriously, I thank you so much. I said you were no stranger to New York because the truth is, I think you're like an, now an international figure. You began in 1977 with the Magnificent 13, now the Guardian Angels. This story's been told. Uh, do you actually have this? Is, are the Guardian Angels in 13 countries? Is yeah, this 13 true? 13 countries, 130 cities. We have close to 5,000 members. So we're in third world countries, first wow. world countries, dictatorships, democracies. Uh, you know, they spoke of Barack Obama, former president, being a community organizer, and he was in the south side of Chicago, did a pretty good job. But I've done community organizing all over the world. I know how to organize a community, and you bring people together over what they agree on, not what they disagree on, because then it's like a civil war. Tell we see us, that in politics t- I today. I do. Just tell us briefly, because some people don't know what the Guardian Angels are. Explain to the audience, what who are the Guardian Angels? Guardian Angels are citizens who voluntarily go out dressed in red berets, red sateen jackets, who are not just eyes and ears for the police, you know, see something, say something. No, we make citizens arrests. We get physical. People are fighting in the streets. We're separating them. If the fight continues, we're slamming and jamming them. If uh, we have to make a citizen's arrest, we don't hesitate. Now, we don't have any weapons. We don't have any special powers or privileges. But every citizen has the right to make a citizen's arrest, except nobody knows how to do it. Lawyers, there are like nine lawyers for every uh, one citizen. They practice their martial art. I sue. They put the fear of God. Uh, so is it martial into arts? Is it, are you doing like karate? What are oh, you yeah, doing? Oh, yeah. No, uh, martial arts has been part of my life uh, since I was a young boy. And obviously, it's part of the training process in the Guardian Angels. Young men, young women, mm-hmm. middle-aged young men, uh, middle-aged men and women. But you're out there with no weapons. And everybody in the streets knows you don't mess with the Guardian Angels. Like it. We need you now more than ever. And thank you for that. And keep going. So I wish we had time to talk about everything that's going on in the world. And there's just such really trying times right now. What are you seeing? It's Michigash. It's it's total insanity. Mm -hmm. For instance, every day you walk the streets and you see mostly men, some women, going into retail establishments, and what they do, they say to the cashiers, I'm here for my Alvin Bragg swag bag. I won't shoot. I'm just here to loot. Straight up. And they go in like locusts to a cornfield, and they steal everything they can get their up hands to $1, on. Up to $1,000. Doesn't matter. They're not, not going to get arrested. And if they do get arrested, it's petty larceny, and they get turned right back out. It's turnstile. 90,000 packages a day get stolen that are delivered by either FedEx, USPS, uh, UPS, uh, 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 all the uh, uh, overnight package. Imagine, 90,000, and not one of them gets reported to the police. They won't write it up. And the companies who send the packages suck it up as the price of doing business. But imagine if you're a criminal mm-hmm. or you're, you've got a, a drug problem and you steal so you can shoot up. The easiest crime to commit is follow the FedEx truck. Just pick up all the packages, open them up, and it's like Christmas every day for you. And there are no consequences. So naturally, if you're at the lowest level of the crime chain, stealing packages, they call them porch pirates. Well, then you say, I go into a store, Dwayne Reed, CVS, I shoplift there. No consequences. Do you think they just stop there? 
or does it escalate? It keeps escalating. That's why you have to have zero tolerance. That's how Rudy Giuliani got control of the city from David Dinkins at that time where the city was completely out of control. Nothing is acceptable. Everything has consequences. Just urinating in the street, which I see all the time. When Giuliani was mayor, you'd have four squad cars surrounding you. The guy would be embarrassed. They're defecating now, not just urinating. Right, but uh, you know, he, he would be afraid to prove that he wasn't suffering from uh, uh, projectile uh, uh, inabilities. But I'm tell- this is what you have to do. You have to swarm them, and they have to pay a price. If there's no price to pay, they're going to commit crime over and over. Look at people. They don't pay the fare. You're paying the fare, right? It's two ninety now for one trip. And you see the Irish sweepstakes, people going under the turnstile, over the turnstile, through the gate. Why should you pay? One third of the passengers on the subways and buses do not pay their fare now. So we'll, we'll, get off. we'll be raised. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so in 2021, yes. you ran against Eric Adams. Yes. Do you plan to run again? Oh, absolutely. Because now Eric Adams has a track record. Back then, remember, everyone declared him the new face of the Democratic Party. He was a moderate. He had been a former cop. He was going to be law and order. He was going to undo all the damage of de Blasio. Right now, as I make the rounds in the five boroughs, they look at me and they say, you know, this guy is nothing but de Blasio 2.0. This city has not progressed. We are, in fact, because of this migrant situation, slipping more and more into the abyss. So other than what's happening organically in the city, what will be different in your approach now than then? You have to be confrontational. This kumbaya, you know, the bar, I call it Barney talk. You love me, I love you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love Holko, I love Biden, I'm the Biden in Brooklyn. What has it gotten him? They won't even give him a penny to handle what is an invasion of people who are not vetted at all. We don't know who they are. When cops arrest them, the biggest problem a cop has is this person doesn't have ID. We don't know who they are. And they just let them in. Now, that starts with Biden at the border. But then, remember a year ago when Abbott, the governor of Texas, was saying, hey, we're overwhelmed. I'm going to have to send them to you, Eric, because you're a sanctuary city. And Eric said, you better believe we're a sanctuary city. Look at all the things we give are migrants, and he gave a laundry list. Now, if you happen to be in a third world country and you were watching on your cell phone or an iPhone, because they all have cell phones and iPhones, you would say, where do you want to go when you cross the border? New York, because you get everything. Hotels, three squares, health insurance. You're in the front. You're prioritized. The average citizen is not, especially African-Americans who elected Eric Adams mayor. He owes it to them, you know, to the victor go the spoils in politics. So when uh, Rudy Giuliani finally beat Dinkins, it was because of Staten Island. Oh, all of a sudden, Staten Island was on a pedestal. You can look at every mayor, but this mayor had a fiduciary responsibility to help blacks, African-Americans in need. And yet I'm walking the streets every day. The majority of the homeless, the emotionally disturbed, those living in the subways and the parks, African-Americans. What happened to their needs? They're citizens. Some of them are veterans. You mean to tell me some guy who comes across the border who may be a gang member of MS-13 or a sex trafficker or a drug dealer gets prioritized over our own? Everyone is opposed to that. And Eric Adams is going to pay the price for that at the ballot box. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Well, staying on real estate, because this is really a real estate podcast, I think everybody could agree. Real estate is the most important thing we're all going to invest in in our lifetime. And safe cities make value of real estate, yes or no. It really is the most important thing. So unless we clean up the streets and unless we make this a safe place, we're going to continue to lose tourism. What will you do to create better value so investors will want to come to the city and we stop losing the international people that are here and tourists? Well, you know, there is a booming part of real estate. Do you know what that is, Suzanne? Yes, it's called hotels. No, it's called illegal weed shops. There are 2,000 of them all over the city, formerly mom and pop shops that went out of business uh, in the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020. I don't blame anyone for that. We never got hit with anything like that before. But landlords, they're they're being approached by somebody on the corner who owns a bodega there, and they're saying, you know, uh, how about if we set up a smoke shop? They call it a smoke shop. Yeah, I've been approached by those people, but you can't really, then you can't get a license. So how are they getting licenses? No, but you see, they don't need, in the outer boroughs, they don't need a license. What they do is, that's the only store that's opened up all 24-7, and the green leaf is in neon. And the city had a, a responsibility to close and padlock these shops, which they haven't done, and they keep growing. So imagine, here it is, you have regular businesses struggling, and they see that the person who's making money hand over fist because it's all cash. There's no debit cards, no credit cards, because remember, it's still a federal crime. They won't let you have a bank account. They watch these guys coming in and out with satchels full of cash, and they're saying, I'm in the wrong business. I'm nickeling and diming it in retail. I got to deal with shoplifters and everything else. So I think we have to take care of retail first, because if we take care of retail, that'll take care of everything else, because if you look... The majority of the empty space, which is a blight on the city that is either covered up with brown wrapping paper or paper that says this place is for lease or rent, uh, at this rate, are not going to be utilized because people are not going to want to pay taxes. They're They're not getting services. We have to do things to be really procreative in terms of using retail space. I think if we start with the mom and pop shops and start working our way up, we can start filling up all the empty office space, 50% of which is empty. You know, they're talking about converting it into housing. Good. But there are other practical uses. And the reality is people working at home, 
We're going to have to accept it. It's a, it's a new way. If they can be productive, why are you going to tell somebody in a corporation that you got to force those people to come into the office, especially if the lease rates are so exorbitant that they can actually do the same job in half the space with some of their personnel working at home? But, Curtis, the reality is that people do work from home, and the biggest the fall that we can have is when the commercial landlords start defaulting yes. and the banks take back these spaces. Absolutely. We need the companies to want to be here. We need the companies to get the people back to work so that we could fill this and pay the taxes. Right now, we can't make our budget. How would you attract companies to come back to the city? Well, number one, the workforce are women. Uh, nightlife is based on women. Unless you happen to be gay, if you're a guy, you're not spending any money unless women are involved in the clubs and restaurants and bars. That's straight up. Everybody knows that. You don't make the subway safe, which are the veins and arteries of the city. I don't know of many women that can, can afford to Uber or take a taxi every day around because they are the ones being targeted. Just look at this scene. We see this monster. He has hit this grandmother 50 times and he was released. Now, women can identify with them. You know, men, I can take care of myself. Yeah, really? Plus, you got to deal with all... Uh, all the folks in there who are trying to prove that they're men by exposing themselves to women. You know how many women come up and complain to me about that? Guys go, I never see any of that. Hey, idiot, it's not directed at you. Without women feeling safe and taking the subways, you'll never fill up these office spaces. So priority one is the transit system, and that has not been prioritized. So you're back to safety. For you, it's all about safety. If they feel safe, people will come back to work, companies will open. You think oh, that's where it not starts. not only come back to work, they want to stay late, they right. want to party, they want to spend money. Where are they going to find Broadway in Nassau County or Best Bergen city. County? Best city. Off-Broadway. So, all the other attractions, um, not only Manhattan, but now the outer boroughs have a vibrant yes. after-hours life. It's all in New York City. And it's being tarnished because of the safety, the, the lack of safety. So I'm sure you're familiar with the 421A expiration where developers were given an incentive to build. What do you think should be done about that? And can you think of any ideas to be good for both the developers and their residents? Well, remember, you had Mitchell-Lama Housing, mm -hmm. which was a state-sponsored program. If you go up to 145th Street in Harlem, across from Harlem Hospital, all the black politicos live in Mitchell-Lama Housing. In fact, Charlie Rangel got in, in, in trouble because he knocked out walls and made three apartments where there was only supposed to be one. David Patterson, my husband-in-law, he lived there for a while. All of them lived there. And it's great. Great apartments, help uh, subsidize. Uh, you see Mitchell Lama all over the city and it's prospering. That's what you really have to revert to because you start configurating, well, 20% for low income. But then again, what is really low income, especially in New York City now? Just go back to the formula that worked. But it's very expensive. And for the landlords to be able to build, and they can't just build Mitchell Lama. It, that's, it doesn't make enough money. So you have to be able to create income for the people that want to build these buildings because we, want, we need housing. Well, remember. So what would your idea be? You talk about building. You already have so many projects where the financing came before the lockdown and pandemic. And slowly but surely, they're being finished. What's going to happen with all these men and women who are working these construction jobs? Why would you build anything else? You can't even fill what you already have. So I think the focus has to be on that, to make it affordable. And this is where government must work in uh, partnership with the private sector. And forget AOC, all our crazy, and the socialists. The Democrats who are in charge, because they're the majority, are terrified of the socialists. Look at what happened to the Amazon project. Killed. Right. By AOC. You right. go there now, 
And you say, my God, if Amazon had been in the process of developing there, where are they now? They're out in Staten Island. Their warehouses are there. Guess what? Staten Island is prosperous now because of that. So every time we kick out a major corporation, we call them evil. We're only hurting ourselves. What, is everybody going to have a government job? Everybody's going to be living on social uh, subsistence, uh, social security, and everything that the taxpayers have to fund? And the other thing is, how do you stem the exodus? Even after two hurricanes in Florida, I'm talking with people and they're saying, I know I can't get flood insurance. Property taxes are going through the roof. Even automobile insurance is through the roof. I'm still going to Florida. I said, you realize it's very congested now. Did you think of Tennessee as an alternative? You know, no tag. No, I'm going to Florida. The exodus is nonstop. So how do you get them to at least consider dual residency? Spend half of your time here. What do they call that? Pierre de Trois. Pierre de Terre. Yeah, whatever. Whoever created that, right? I failed French at Builder C. <laughs> Junior High School. I can't even order from a French menu. And I heard Howard Lauber one time saying, oh, Pierre, de, he's talking to me. We're having dinner. A Pierre, I, said, I said, Howard, what the hell is that? You're a street guy. You were from Passaic County. <laughs> what is this? Well, you know, it sounds good. Well, actually, Howard does. I, I will quote him that New York will be the number one second home yes. market. This which is, is really what what's we starting have to, to accept. Happen. And yes. a lot of people don't yes. realize, yes. as great as Donald Trump has been, when he went through his marital woes, as I've gone through many times, five, the person who kept him afloat was Howard Lauber. He was yeah. on an allowance. Yeah. He's he was almost dead and buried. He's pretty great. Let's let's dig back into the homeless crisis again. Do you think that they're really the same? I know it's a polit- it's a political issue, but really it's become a, it's a national issue. Do you see a difference between the homeless crisis and the migrant crisis? Oh, absolutely. First off, the homeless crisis was with us long before the migrant crisis. We have homeless people, many of whom are emotionally disturbed. Uh, I've been in and out of the psychiatric facilities. Creedmoor, thirty percent occupied. Why? 30% occupied. We have so many people who are in need of psychiatric care. That's a state responsibility. Then you look at Kings County in Brooklyn, 35% capacity. Staten Island psychiatric, 50% capacity. So you start adding these statistics up. And during the lockdown and pandemic, Suzanne, what happened was We needed the beds in all the hospitals, both the public and the private. And some of them were for the emotionally disturbed. So we pushed them all out. I don't have any problems with that. We needed the beds. But we never went back out to get those patients and bring them back in. And now they're everywhere. And they're part of the homeless community. They're a danger to themselves, the other homeless and everyone else. And there has to be a concerted effort to go out. They have files. Many of them wear still uh, the tags around their wrist of what Medicaid, m- medicines they should be taking, what, where they were hospitalized, bring them back, get them health care that they desperately need. Now, if I was on a subway and I was projectile vomiting, the whole subway stops. People grumble. But because of this one person, we have to help this man or woman. The ambulance comes, they take it to a hospital. If a guy is banging his head on the side of the, the train, nobody comes to him. They say, oh, he's... He's a crazy person. No, no. He's emotionally disturbed. He could have schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. We need to care for him. As my father taught me, a merchant seaman 54 years, he would say, Curtis, there for the grace of God go you. Never make fun of these people. Always reach out and help them because these people are in need. They're no different than us. They just have some issues. They have mental health problems. We used to call them crazy people. 
Well, guess what? They're not crazy. They're just mentally sick. And we got to treat them the way we do those that are physically sick. It's a, I like that you think that they're separate, but let's talk about the migrants for a minute. Like yeah. my parents came from Eastern Europe. They came here legally. They waited online. They were sponsored. They had health screening. They went to Ellis Island and they came here and they worked. So I know this is not, it's something that it's a global issue, but how, what do you think should be done? So at the embassy level, so when they do come here, these people want to work and it's a humanitarian thing. It's not their fault. They, they don't want to come here on coyote. They don't want to be sold as sex slaves. They want to come here legally, but they, there's such lines. They're doing everything they can to get here illegally. What would you do to get them here legally so that they could be, we, we need workers. We we need people that are going to fill these jobs. What do you suggest we do at that level to get legal migrants here? Well, you're correct. I have three sons. They're all gold brick slackers. Uh, you know, you have to scrape the barnacles off their backside from playing video games all day. They're on the computer. They would no, never go out and do the kind of work that I was expected to do when I was a kid. I delivered newspapers, the Daily News, 168 daily, 182 on Sunday. And that was early in the morning. And it was expected of you. You want an allowance? Hey, go out and get a paper yeah, route. That's yeah. simply what they told you. No more. We coddle our kids. So you're right. We need worker bees. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side came from southern Italy. They were the Mexicans of the time. They were ditch diggers. They couldn't read. They couldn't write. The northern Italians, forget about it. They <laughs> thought they were the best. So all the southern Italians came here because they needed work. They were barely surviving in Italy, and they would take any job. And my grandfather would uh, shape up at what is now the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. They changed it to the U-Carry Tunnel. Get out of here. It's always the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. <laughs> and he would shape up. And at that point, the Irish were the foremen. The previous generation, Irish need not apply, right? Now they were the foremen. And at the end of the day, they would say, hey, guineas, wops, dagos, no jobs today. Maybe come back tomorrow. You might get a job. My grandfather had to suck it up. Yep. He didn't like being called that, but he had 13 kids. Yep. They were lucky if they got a bowl of pasta vazul and a piece of bread each day. If you look at Empire State Properties, my company, 95%, 95% are immigrants. Yeah, They're the hardest workers, but we want them here. We want them. We want to welcome them, but we want them here legally. So exactly. what would you do with the bo at the border side to, keep, to get them here well, legally? What Eric Adams does not understand is that first generation of immigrants that you're referring to who came in the hard way are the angriest because they had to jump right. through the hoops. Yep. They, and you should see the test for citizenship. I guarantee you, having administered on the radio, and you know, talk radio listeners are pretty sharp. 95% of the talk radio listeners failed it. You, gotta, you actually have to learn American history, which they don't even teach our kids. Like I said to my kids, hey, you have history? Yeah, once a week. We had it every day. We right. had civics. They don't have it any longer. So for you to get a green card, a working visa, and then eventually citizenship, wow, you had to wait a long time. You had to work hard. You were worrying all along. Gee, if I get in trouble, will that jeopardize this? Now the migrants get an easy pass. We don't even know who they are. I have no idea who they are. Why wouldn't you take advantage of this easy pass if you were up to no good or maybe even a terrorist? That's the reason ICE was formed after 9-11, because we realized the hijackers got here and overstayed their visas. People don't realize ICE is good. It protects America. But we have elected officials who call them thugs. You say, what? 
It's a law enforcement agency. So, so you agree legally is, is how we have to go. I guess we don't have the answer of how to get them here legally. Well, but- uh, let me give you some other ideas uh, that are good business is you should have a migrant force to come in to work. They do their work and then they go home and they'll live like kings and queens forever on the salaries they make in America. Some of them already do that. Secondarily, I would say sweat equity at the border. They never finished the Trump wall. I think even his detractors realize we need the wall. So to the single, able-bodied young men, you put mortar and brick, and you say you build a quarter of a mile. And remember, brick and concrete is stronger than iron that they have there now, cast iron, because remember the Berlin Wall. Why not legally, Curtis? Why do we have to go through all this? Why can't they just go to the, have enough staff at the embassy so they could apply the proper way like our family did? Uh, yeah, I'm a little compromise here. If they help us finish the wall, right, at no expense to the taxpayers except we're paying for the brick and mortar, it's their sweat equity. Hey, maybe then they can become an apprentice. They'll know how to do brick and mortar. We'll have taught them a trade. Secondly, This is sports-related. You know how bad the Yankees and Mets are this year. 40% of the illegals coming into Venezuelans. They love baseball. So in Randall's Island, where they have a tent, the Mets and the Yankees should have a tryout camp. (laughs) We could use some good ball players, right? Let them earn their way into the major leagues, unlike El Duque, (laughs) who had to travel through shark-infested waters from Cuba. All right, so let's go back. Last question, Curtis. What are the three things about New York that drives other cities crazy, like Boston? Like, what are the things about New York that is so fantastic that other cities don't even like us? Uh, First off, the fact that we consider ourselves the best and not like the rest. We're we're pretentious, obnoxious at times, obstinate, stubborn. uh, You talking about yourself? Yes. Omnipotent. (laughs) Think you know it all. And we walk around with a chip on our shoulder because we know New York is the place that everybody wants to be. That's number one. Number two, if we can clean up our subway system. Imagine you can get around anywhere. Anywhere. Now it's 290. I mean, you get into a cab before you even go a block. What is it, like 585? And it keeps clicking. And most of it is a hidden fee that you say, what? The? Meantime, the cab driver is not making money either. So uh, obviously to have what was the greatest subway system in the world. And the third is the freedom to live 24-7, 365. I can't tell you how many places I've been in the world. 11 o'clock, roll up the sidewalks, even major famous cities. I remember being in London when I organized the Guardian Angels there. I said, I'm hungry. It's 11 o'clock. First of all, the food is horrible. Oh, well, there's kebab places and there's fish and chip places. Yuck! I mean, the food there is horrible. Here... It's the best of what the entire world has. And it's the best of immigrants that the world has. They want to live here. So we get the cream of the crop. So remember, the people who really work hard, they do well academically. Where is it they want to come? New York. But if it keeps deteriorating, if we keep hurting the quality of life and not improving it, there are other parts of America they would much rather go. Leave it to Beaverland, Father Knows Best, a little house in the prairie, because nowadays you don't need to have a shingle in New York City to do business. You can be in Provo, Utah, and you can compete in the world global economy. Well, I'm not giving up on New York. It's still the best city in the world. It has the museums. It has sporting events. It has food. It has people. It has energy. We're going to survive. And thank you so much for what you do. We need you to continue to help us. And I wish you luck. Thank you so much. If I can become mayor, I guarantee you the real estate industry will be back at it simply because I'll make everything safer. And with safety, everything else will come back. 
I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for coming on The Miller Report. Dear listeners, thank you for coming on my podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please download, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.